I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast. It's fall, y'all. Wow. It's fall, y'all. It's October. It's time to curl up with a good book. Amy, I have a question for you. Oh, yes? What is your favorite tool that we created in our book called Shameless Sex? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so I love, it's like, you know, this tool shows up over and over again. It's the CYOPP. It's choose your own pleasure path. You're done with CYOPP. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know me. me. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's so it's that, which is similar to like the choose your own adventure books, but it's different, everyone. No, we did not copy them. And so instead of us telling you, this is what you should do, it's, well, where do you want to go? What outcome do you want? And so it's a guide where you can kind of figure out and map your own sexuality or relationships. Uh, and so I love that we created this, which is very shameless sex, right? It's not us like, this is who you are. This is what you should do. It's like, well, what do you want? And here's the many ways you can go. And you know what was great? So we obviously have the hardcover. It's going to be available on all different, uh, anywhere books are sold. However, when we were reading the Audible version, both the director of the Audible, but when we were narrating and the person that was doing the sound engineering said, this book is so great, which our literary agent said as well. Like this book is so great because it's not clinical and it's not overly too mainstream where it's like, first you get done and then you suck the car. (laughs) It's, It's got humor it's got all of the the pieces that yeah make it incredible that yeah. i think that it's perfect well with that well, chip what know, about you perfectly perfect imperfect oh well, yeah well you can never be perfect but we're pretty perfect um what about you chip what's your favorite tool that we created in our in our book shameless sex okay so i think i love the choose your adventure piece but it's choose your own pleasure path yeah and i also love shameless sex's tips for uncovering your O. Oh yeah everyone and needs that everyone does need that and it's it gives people a, a guide to how they can really use their own bodies and, and explore their own bodies not with relying on other like humans to help you figure out your own pleasure and how to have badass orgasms and how to have badass orgasms it's like uncovering your o yeah and yes. you can use it again and again and again and again and, and again. again and again and again. Yes. Yeah, so that's um, those are a couple. We have so many favorite things, up, right? So, but we'll keep it short and sweet. So our book, Shameless Sex, which is we're in the pre-order phase right now, as April said, and when she said, "All you can get it pretty much anywhere. You can always go to shamelesssex.com to figure out where to buy it or to click the link." And we please, 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 if you love us, buy the hardcover because it helps our numbers to get this book out there to even more people, and it offers unique tools and formulas and things that are not available on our podcast because we just told you some things, but. You you don't really know what we're talking about. So you please, please, please. We would love you so much if you go buy it. We also took experts that we've had on the show year after year and have their advice in the book all throughout. So it's not just Amy and I oh, definitely not. being like, do this or do that. We took a lot of time doing this and we didn't know how important pre-sales are. What happens is when you pre-sell a lot of books, 
it makes it on different lists, right? Yeah. And so that means more people will find Shameless Sex. So your money, it's twenty eight ninety five for a hardcover. That twenty eight ninety five is going to only help more people yeah. find Shameless Sex. And not all people can listen to podcasts in English. So that means the book will eventually get translated. Ooh, yeah. And you're making the world a better place. So yeah. And you're supporting Shameless Sex. And we do adore you and we value you and we appreciate you. So please, as Amy said, check it out. Hardcover. And you get a free gift if you do that before the November 14th release date, everybody. And you know what we'll do right now? We'll just pause for one second. So you can just press pause and go buy it. One, two, three, go. All right. That was one second. You ready for a sex question? Yes, (laughs) I am ready. All right. So this is from, this is a add on to a question that we already answered. Remember the long distance marriage question from the the guy that was in the military? He was going overseas. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. So it's an add on to that. They wrote back. Yeah. He wrote back and gave us a little more information. So we weren't sure. He did. Okay. Got it. So thank you for your advice and recommendations. What we have struggled with is when we are apart, we are super horny and talk about having crazy sex when we see each other. And then when we get back together, we have sex once and then maybe once a week after that. I think a sex weekend or something like this would be helpful to broaden our sex life, but we live in a very Christian state in the Midwest. Any other tips? And so what he's saying is like, I've totally been there with the like, oh my God, I'm so excited to go home and fuck my partner. It's totally. been like three days or a week or, or for this person, many months. Yes. And then you get there and at least they're having the hot sex or one night. I, I remember with not my current partner, but an ex-partner, I get there, I have all these thoughts and I get there and I think it was because we had some other emotional stuff issues going on that we weren't... Well, well, it was we were dealing with them. They're just ongoing. But I would get there and I'd be like, my sex drive would just get thrown out the window. I was like, I wanted to fuck you for the last week. And now that I see you, I don't. Also, sometimes you just get in that cozy, cuddly mode yeah. where I'm like, oh, I just want you to hold me. I just want to hold you. Yeah. Oh, and, and that's you're important like, for reconnection. It absolutely is. And or you're eating like such yummy food together because you haven't been like together, just like being intimate or speaking to each other. And then I get so full. I'm like, I'm all so right. Tired. So maybe tomorrow, tomorrow we'll have the sexes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they are having the hot, crazy sex right when they see each other and then it goes to once a week you know honestly everyone's definition of how much sex is enough or not enough is up to them for a lot of folks listening to that they'd be like once a week good for you and to some folks like wow once a week is not enough and so it sounds like you'd like more or maybe more of that crazy sex before deployment i remember he said yes. that because he's going to be deployed for a while and then knowing when you get time. home yeah like how do we ma- do that before maintain it while we're disconnected maintain some sort of connection and then have the hot crazy sex maybe somewhat regularly when you come home and so i just want to normalize what well, your experience is, is completely normal that's normalizing it and if you want to have more of that crazy sex that you had the first night maybe you put more intention into recognizing that crazy sex right like the next day after the hot, crazy sex, y'all talk about it and you know what worked, what what felt amazing, what made it extra crazy and exciting. And then like, you know, how, what pieces can we bring in into the next time we have sex? And, and also if it's like we want to have sex more than once a week. How can we create intimate time? We talk about this all the time on our podcast. And I don't know if we talked about this in our last sex question with you. But instead of, say, scheduling sex, it's intimate time. And so if it's once a week that you're experiencing now and you want more, how can it be intimate time twice a week? And intimate time means you block it out. and doesn't mean you necessarily have sex, but it's like connected time that could be sensual or just loving or erotic and crazy and see what happens and the last thing i'm sure you have actually i'll let you you do this one but because i'll I'll add something to this because maybe you have something to say about the christians well not necessarily what i do want to say about the last piece just to add on to that i think perhaps if you're if you're both able to and i I wasn't sure if there were children involved I i don't i don't know that piece of this but if you get a babysitter or you have some freedom to shut off your phones 
I would recommend that because just dropping in, put on some sexy music and talk about your last experience that you really found hot with each other. I love the way you you touched my body. I love the way you squirted that. I don't know what if it if it's massage oil or Uber Lube all over my body or your jizz or your or your jizz. <laughs> I wasn't going there. Damn it, I had to do it. Uh, and I love that. And I think that could be really great. And it doesn't have to be pressurized, right? Because that does sound a little pressure-y. I I would feel the pressure just solely without my partner even thinking that, like, should we schedule a sex weekend? Well, what happens if the sex weekend turns into you binge eat a bunch of chocolate and you end up watching movies and eating some gummies and laughing? Something bad happens that you can't control, like life throws you a curveball and sex Or you get your period. Someone gets their period and you can't, you know, you You don't... Turn into vampire sex. And you turn into vampire sex. (laughs) Or there's, there are a lot of, there can be a lot of obstacles surrounding the pressure of schedule a specific weekend that is just going to be solely for sex. It's, it can happen and it can be yeah. great. But but sometimes, as you said, other things can happen. When I was in a yeah. long distance relationship with my partner, um, when I was married for a while, he lived in Israel. I lived in the U.S. and I would fly there and I would feel that pressure like to have to he, not by him, but by myself. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, maybe I should uh, show uh, up extra hard. Yes. Every day. And yeah. it was just like difficult. And then it's like robotic. Or something, right. right? And, and, and I would get in my head and then I wasn't even enjoying the actual time that we had together. And sometimes just even kissing and, and touching can, and that can be just without talking. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's why so many speakers on our show and, and we've talked about this before. It's not scheduling sex. It's intimate time. And intimacy could just be snuggling with clothes, clothes on and like Ooh, dry just, humping or dry humping yes. or letting your hands move over the, 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 the external part of the body, like not in the genitals, you know, places that are non erogenous zones to, you know, it, it's everything that is just related to really deeply connecting in an intimate way and broadening what that is. Absolutely. And then those things can be the stepping stones that lead to the crazy sex. But I like what you said. And I said this too. We like, we both said this, like, let's highlight what are the things that lead to the hot sex when, you know, before, during and after and talk about it and say, like, you know, what are the things that really work for us? What gets our juices flowing and how can we impl- implement those in the future? I think you should make a PowerPoint. I'm just yeah, it's a PowerPoint for sure. Or like a <laughs> white A yeah. right here. An Excel <laughs> sheet. This is what works. It's, it really what gets doesn't. the juices flowing. Here's when my pussy goes dry. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, then so the Christian thing, yeah. I mean, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. I don't have to get out of the Midwest, but not move away. Just vacations. I don't, I don't, I do not think that unless you live in some kind of like church where inside and you feel like you could be heard through the walls and you're not able to have sex, consensual, consensual sex with your partner. I'm not really sure if that's, if there's validity in that. I don't think that you're going to get ostracized by your community. If you have your own place, if you share a a place with your parents or something like that, I don't know. I'm just wondering if they want, they're talking about sexy weekend, like going to a place, like going to a place somewhere that has like, has like sexy themes is my guess. Okay. Uh, Something that is, is already a container that inspires sexuality or sensuality. And, and so, and you might need to travel outward for that, but it depends what you're into. I was thinking of it differently. See, this is why humans are different. I was like, yeah. what's the big deal? Yeah, you have like, a banging weekend in, yeah. in your Bang house. Away. You'll be inspired. Yeah, neighbor, yeah. Like, Who cares if the Christians? They'll be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get that. Yeah. Appropriation. <laughs> yeah. You make those babies. But yeah. So uh, traveling out for this, there's a lot of options there, but it's really dependent on what you're interested in. If you're interested in checking out things like swingers resorts, 
There are a lot of them all over, generally in tropical or warmer, hot areas like hedonism in Jamaica. We have not been, um, so I don't know a lot about it other than what people have said. What I've heard from people that are into it is like it is pretty wild, but I think you can go there and kind of do your own thing. You might feel a little bit like, whoa, this is a lot, but you could go there and just be a couple that's around sexy vibes and not engage with other couples. A lot of swingers environments are designed for that. So uh, we did an episode on swinging recently uh, with the Swing Nation. And I think there's more info on that episode about that. And also, it doesn't have to be like swing or sex related weekends. It could also be like going to some sort of music um, festival. Well, yeah, maybe a music festival, which can be sexy. But also I was thinking of like here in, in California, we have Harbin Hot Springs, you know, like places oh, yeah. like that, like wellness places. And while it's not super sexual, and in fact, you can't have sex in the hot tubs there because they're like not into that. You do it behind closed doors in your little cabin. They kind of create a sexy vibe, though. It's like people are naked. You're naked. You don't you're not like on your phone in the hot tub, at, you know, the public hot tub and or the springs. So at places like that where even it does, if it doesn't have a sexual focus it can inspire romance right you can bring like well harbin doesn't offer or doesn't allow like alcohol or anything but if it does out you bring a bottle of wine and some roses and like have a whole thing and romance can lead to crazy sex so there's a lot of ways to go about it well the internet is going to be well don't trust everything on the internet no do not Uh, but being in places that offer catering to whatever you're into i'm sure you can find more information and then always check out the safety of these places if it's legitimized somehow with other folks that have reviews on it but I think like even in in the Midwest which I think the folks that were on the show that the this, swinging episode. The swinging they're episode. The they're from the they're yeah. from the south. Oh, south. Okay, yeah. But but they're also living in in a community where that isn't necessarily very accepting. Like, hey, there's a swinger party down there. Yeah. We live in Santa Cruz, and and sometimes I have no idea if there's a swinger party going on no, or not. We never know. Yeah. <laughs> not sometimes. We never know what's going on. And you and actually, they said in the episode you'd be surprised about the people that are into alternative ways of being sexual beings, like the people you think are the most straight edge of straight. Whatever you, they're like, they're wild. So yeah, the vanilla, the vanilla folks can tend to be really, yeah. really. They could be like a what is it, Neapolitan the ice cream. <laughs> they could be all sorts of flavors. I like. I'm a sherbet. I'm a. Sh- I am the orange sherbet. <laughs> I'm a rainbow sherbet. I'm a. I'm a chicken noodle soup ice cream. Yum yum. Yeah. With bacon in it. Uh, but vegan bacon. Yeah. We just weird. Okay. Vegan anyways. Chicken too. <laughs> they're like, what is wrong with and you guys? And we took it too far. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's do a bio. Great question. I love, I love the follow-ups. Yeah, That's always cool. When we get more intel too yeah. about the question, we're like, we don't know. But. Well, and it's helpful too. A lot of people are in long distance or long-term relationships or having that crazy sex once and then they don't have it for like five months or whatever. So it's a really helpful question. Yeah. You could just watch each other masturbate for a while. Okay. Ooh, anyway. With so many track. ideas. <laughs> All right. Here's the bio. Sherry Gabba is a licensed psychotherapist, life coach, and author of Love Smacked, How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency to Find Everlasting Love. Carla Romo is a speaker and certified life coach specializing in dating and relationships and author of Contagious Love. Both separately and together, Sherry and Carla have been featured in popular media outlets such as VH1's Celebrity Rehab, CNN, E! News, Bravo, Lifetime, and more. To learn more, visit thelovefix.com. All right, everyone, it's interview time, and we are here with Sherry. Is it Gabba or Gabba? What am I calling you, Gabba? Gabba. 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 Yeah, right. <laughs> Sherry Gabba and Carla Romo. 
Got that one right, yeah, right? Yeah, you, you got, got it. Romo. Oh, Romo. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, the Love Fix podcast and so many other aspects, avenues, and offerings. And uh, you already heard a little bit about them in the bio. We're so excited to have them here. We just guested on their show as well. So be sure to check out their podcast, not just to hear us, but for all their other offerings because they're awesome. And uh, we all have different niches and words to, sh- to say and share and different uh, avenues and outlets on how we want to spread the good word about sex positivity and relationships. So before we dive in further into all these questions about dating, codependency, and, and dating specifically to find the one or ones. So we had episodes on just dating, mm-hmm. you know, casual dating, online dating. But what if the focus is like, I really want to go into deeper partnership and we're dating. So before we do that, can you both please tell us how you got to where you are today in the field of sex, relationships, etc.? Barry, mm. take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started out way back when. No, I started out in hospice. Then I moved into the recovery community. I was married to an alcoholic. We were divorced. And everything that I was doing, I was also on Celebrity Rehab, which was a VH1 show with Dr. Drew. And everything I was doing was towards the alcoholic and addict. And I realized, oh, my God, this is codependent. And I already knew I was codependent. But then when I finally like had it hit me in the head, like all I'm doing is talking about him, him, him. I completely changed my whole brand. And now I do codependency, love addiction and toxic relationships. And it's just much more authentic. And I'm not focusing on him. Mm, Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So my codependency journey of breaking (laughs) free from codependency uh, for damn good was really just started in my childhood. So I never felt lovable. I didn't feel enough. I had a father that was abusive and As a result, it just led me into needing external validation from men or boys at the time when I was younger uh, of needing to be in a relationship because then that meant I was lovable. I was worthy. So it wasn't until my early 20s where I had been in cycles of codependent relationships, unhealthy relationships, toxic relationships. I found myself in an abusive relationship and I was like, okay, something's got to give here. Who's the common denominator in these unhealthy relationships? Me. And that's not saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, that I was responsible for others' actions, but it was saying, okay, I can take accountability here and I actually have a choice of either choose these toxic codependent relationships over and over again and do this to myself or choose the path of loving myself and creating the relationship. And as I like to say, the most important relationship you're ever going to have is the relationship with yourself. So I ended that relationship. And as I like to say, I begun my self-love journey and breaking free from codependency. And from there, I was working in television in Los Angeles. And I just was like, you know what? This is also a codependent relationship and really not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had really just changed my entire lifestyle to really honoring myself, boundaries, taking care of myself, all these things I had neglected for years. And it was then that I was like, you know what? I want to help other people with this too. And so that's really what pushed me into dating and relationship coaching and doing the podcast with my my gal pal, Sherry, mm-hmm. our Love Fix podcast, and and also writing my book. Nice. Ooh. Yes, you both are, are published authors, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And m- mucho respect for both of you. And <laughs> I know you doing. guys have your book Thank coming you. out, which yeah. is awesome. We, That's fucking so awesome. Excited. It's, a, it's yeah. a hard thing to write a book. And we didn't have ghostwriters or anything. So I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. I don't even time. know. AI wasn't a thing either. And people are like, did you have AI? I was like, I would not feel comfortable having a computer. not right. a robot. No. Right. No. 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 So uh, codependency, in my opinion, is kind of like the dark plague that can really 
it can be harmful in a relationship. It really can. And a lot of times folks don't understand that they're in a codependent environment in their relationship. It it kind of it gets sprung upon you like like a kangaroo in Australia coming at your car. You know, it's like, <laughs> holy shit, that that really happened uh, or it's happening. So before we dive in to the hot topic of dating, because that is kind of a sexy topic, let's get down and, and deep with codependency. How do you all want to define that or how how should we define it? Where does it, this come from? Where does codependency come from? And how does it show up in both casual and long-term relationships? Because it can plague all the relationships. So I'll, I'll do the definition, Carla. Maybe you can do the second part of that question. I got you. Tag team it. It's been around a long time with starting with Melody Beatty, probably over 30 years ago. She, you know, wrote the classic book, Codependent No More. And it had to do with the spouse or the significant other of the quote alcoholic. And you were doing all these codependent behaviors like enabling and controlling and manipulating and trying to change and fix them. I think the more modern definition, and that's just my opinion, is losing oneself. So you grow up, you might have had some kind of trauma, felt invisible. You can also end up being in a codependent relationship and had a great childhood, but I'm going to talk about more often than not, it's a childhood where you had addicts or alcoholics as parents, or they were abusive, or they abandoned you. And so you really didn't get what you needed. You felt invisible. And then suddenly you don't know what your preferences are in all different areas of your life and people take advantage of you. And that's where the toxic relationship piece comes in. You're going to, you're going to attract predators narcissists, all kinds of people that will take advantage of someone who doesn't know how to ask for what they need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And hitting into the like relationship side and dating, codependency is a spectrum and it's fluid. So, you know, you could be more prone to being codependent, but if you're with somebody who's not an addict and that might not make the relationship very codependent, you still might have tendencies of people pleasing, lack of boundaries, that kind of thing. But if you know that you're codependent and you go after people who have addiction or aren't taking care of their mental health, you know, those types of things, picking uh, people to fix. That's, you know, what I always say. It's like, you know, finding your next project. Mm. Um, <laughs> if you're going after people like that, that is going to enhance the codependency. And that is really going to be what is actually pulling the relationship together. That's whole, the codependency can hold a relationship together. That doesn't mean it's healthy, but it reinforces this toxic cycle of trying to be validated through fixing somebody and not letting things go and the enmeshment and not having boundaries or any type of autonomy. So it can get really messy um, depending on the dynamic. And feeling like your whole self-worth is based on that relationship. And being needed is where you get your self-worth when there's so much more, of course, to a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I'm going to have a child with this person and that child's going to need me. And then that's going to fix everything. So that is a, that is a very common. Yeah. And then I'll be coming with, with that child. Yeah. Mom. And the yeah. cycle continues. Yeah, exactly. That's and why we all have John. Generations so. and generations of codependency. <laughs> and, yeah. and if anyone's identifying with this out there, we're not insulting you. We're not degrading mm -hmm. you. April and I can just speak for ourselves. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm sure April would agree. Like, We've been in codependent relationships. We have codependent tendencies. I have major dad issues with the abandonment, more like abandonment, neglect, but alcoholism. Yep. And yep. I, I saw, I've seen how it has shown up in relationships. One in particular that was really toxic and unhealthy for me. Also like really fun and beautiful and adventurous and exciting. And I would, you know, use all the ways to say why it was okay. Cause those things were there yet. Like I was the one losing myself for this other person. And my friends 
would reflect it. They'd be like, like, you're a different person when you're, when we were just with you, you're you. And when you were with this person, you're very different and you're also, you're also kind of disappearing. And so I learned, had to learn a lot about that, the hard way of uh, being in it. And um, so if you're in, in the newer journey of this, um, welcome. Uh, if you're in the middle of it or recovering, welcome to that too. And I'm sure the um, the podcast, the Love Fix podcast would be a great resource for you to continue to listen to, to, to do deeper work. Because we'll talk a little more about this, which brings me to say I, I am I'm in that in that place. Oh wow, I'm realizing I am codependent in a codependent relationship. And I I'm I'm the one that's like the first step to admitting you have a problem. It's like you have to understand work yeah, is there's awareness, right? right? You have to awareness. Awareness. Yes. Step one. Yep. So hopefully step one that you yes. recognize that this is not working for you. Yes. Your life yes. is kind of chaotic. Yes. Yeah. So and what listen, was your the people so, that are listening right now, they that's this is the first step for them. Yeah, just awesome. Saying that, yeah. So that was going to bring me to your top tips and tools for working with codependency. So if someone's kind of brand new to realizing this, so they step one, they're already like, okay, I might have, be, I might be codependent or in a codependent relationship. What are some other tools or tips for moving forward with working with with that within themselves and a relationship that uh, they're codependent in? I like to say, get a life, <laughs> and I say, and I, I talk about that in my book where it's like you know, I'm not hating on anybody that is codependent. And it can feel very scary, you know, in the beginning of this recovery journey. But I also like to have humor with it because you got to kind of take a step back and be like, wow, this is kind of crazy behavior right here. But I think what's important is to get a life, to have hobbies, to have interests, to have something outside of yourself, to know what your favorite color is, where you want to go eat, for, you know, for dinner tonight. All of those things are really important that are not there when you're in a codependent relationship or cycle. So Carla's a coach. I'm a therapist. So I'll go a little bit deeper because I think you do have to take action steps when you are codependent. And I think what Carla is saying is absolutely correct. But there might be deeper issues going on. You know, like I talked about earlier, what type of family did you come from? Like you you mentioned um, that you'd been abandoned. So, of course, this is going to be projected into the relationships. You're going to be attracted to what you know. And if you keep picking the same type of person, you know, different face, different name, but the same behavior, then it might be time to get into therapy and not just any kind of therapy. You want to work with someone who understands trauma, the deeper issues. Like, what does it feel like inside when you feel abandoned. Often codependents have anxious attachment styles because they've been abandoned. So how can we learn to not be texting every minute? You know, these are all can be codependent traits or why do I keep looking for you to text me? Because I'm so anxious. So this stuff can be worked out in a therapist's office, but so much more like getting into groups and going to 12-step programs. There's so many amazing resources out there. There's 12-step programs that are not just like AA, NA. Like there's CODA is one of them, right? Codependence yeah. Anonymous. Law, sex, uh, love, addiction. Yeah. Sex, love, addiction. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Al-Anon. Al Al-Anon is another one. And, yep. that's, and that's ACOA. The, which oh, is the okay. children's. What's the adult? Is that ACO, the adult yep. children? ACOA. Uh -huh. Right. You know, it's like these would be in person and you can find them online too. Like oh, yeah. And they're, they're, they're like they're free, like or maybe donation all based. over the world. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yes. Time for a quick break so we can tell you about our carefully chosen sponsors. Please stay tuned and buy their products because we only tell you about what we love and what we truly believe in. And it helps keep this podcast free to you. What's up, shameless sex fam? Is your sex life important to you? Hmm. What about your relationships? And also, 
let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's or, my happily ever after, yeah, where's Amy? My ha- yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools, the right tools for your sex and relationship. So you get what you desire and it's fun. It's playful. Right, Amy? We're always playful. It's kind of sexy. And did I mention how easy we make it for you? You have to check out Shameless Sex. Plus the testimonials, they're coming in from everywhere. And this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams. So you can do it too. Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. If you want, want hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> well, I know that I am a highly anxious human in relationships, but I didn't realize that it was linked to my childhood. And because I was abandoned by both of my parents, pretty much, I was like a latchkey kid, as I think the term goes, meaning I had to do a lot of self-care because neither of my parents, my dad was unavailable. My dad's a workaholic, not an alcoholic, but a workaholic, which can be just as devastating for folks that Mm. are raised in that environment, meaning work was always more important than his children. Um, Both my brother and myself suffered from not having and my mom when they divorced just was picking up the pieces and really was was so was feeling like she would be shamed if she had to go on welfare and so she got three jobs so that meant I had to take myself to school I had to pack my own lunches and I realized it manifested when I got married to a wonderful human but the codependency started really shining bright as the amount of texting like Amy would be like yo he just like called you like 45 times. We've only been gone for like three hours. I'm like, yeah, that's weird, right? But I'm like, but he's Israeli. Maybe that's what they do in Israel. I don't know. Like that could be just a thing. Well, it seems like they're all, it's yeah, cultural. It kind of felt a little good for you too, though. Like, oh, like I, I felt I, wanted and yeah. needed. But yeah. then well, if you're a codependent, yes, you're going to want it. You're yeah. gonna, that's going to feel really good. Right. Absolutely. And then it got just suffocating at a point. And that's or why you get the, in trouble for not texting back. Right. I was yeah, in the doghouse. How was I, I was in the doghouse like, all we're, the time. We're working like doing training. So that being said, it's a reflection because sometimes you feel like a relationship could really be serving you and and helping you feel this way when really I am responsible for how I need to feel and want to feel. Someone can't bring me those feelings. And that is a realization that I only um, had in my, my late 30s. And I'm grateful for that now. So I love this topic. And I really appreciate both of the wisdom that your two are sharing because uh, it's imperative, I think, for moving on. And even if you're in a long-term relationship that's codependent, you don't necessarily have to leave. It's not like, oh, the, we're done. There are ways no, to exactly. mitigate that, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I look at that a lot around when somebody's an active user, whether that's alcohol or drugs, and you're in this codependent relationship where one person can start, the person who's not, who the codependent, who's not the addict, can start to get help around it. They can start to have boundaries. They can start to get their life. They can start to fill up their cup in terms of self-esteem, self-love, really focusing back on themselves and taking care of themselves. 
And then they can actively choose, do I want this relationship? The codependency isn't the bond anymore and the choice. It's do I want to be an active participant in this? And then if somebody decides to get sober, then you actually have a a really great situation in the sense that if both people want to work together in the relationship, now that there is sobriety, somebody's getting help and you're getting help, really positive things can come out of that. So I don't want people to listen and think, oh no, my relationship's codependent, it's over, it's done. But I do want to also empower people who don't feel safe and don't feel comfortable in their relationship and partners are not working on it to feel like they have to stay either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be nice. looking for red flags, like you were talking about a controlling relationship, in my opinion, someone calling you, texting you many, many times. So start looking for those red flags. Like mm-hmm. is somebody texting you all the time? Are they calling all the time? Are they keeping you from your friends? You know, these are things that are important to look at. I mean, Carly, you always talk about the red flags and the green flags. What would you... Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, look, the red flag... There's tons of red flags, but I'd say number one is, you know, walking on eggshells, feeling like you can't speak up in regards to asking for your needs. You're fearful, not because of childhood stuff, which this can also be... Both can exist. Childhood, you know, stuff can get flared up, but that you don't feel comfortable bringing up topics. Like if you don't feel okay saying, Hey, I'm not sure. Like I'm feeling a little upset with the way that this went down the other day. If you can't even communicate and talk about that, then it's a very one-sided relationship. There's definitely a power dynamic at play, which is part of the cycles of relationships. But if you really feel like you're shut out because of the relationship, that's also really unhealthy. That's a red flag. And then another red flag would be any type of verbal abuse or emotional abuse, physical abuse. And that can be subtle. And that is a whole laundry list of things to look at. You can easily Google those uh, if anyone's like, I wonder if that's me. But you know, I would also say too, like you guys were saying earlier, it's like you could be in a relationship that has really great parts to it. But then there's this other part to it that's like, really unhealthy and toxic and codependent or abusive. And it's like, I don't know what to do. So I'm holding on to the good stuff. If the majority of the relationship is healthy and positive, then that's probably a good sign you're in a healthy relationship. When the bad starts outweighing the good, that's really when you need to take a look and say, okay, there's some red flags here. Love that. And hitting right at home. Oh yeah. Okay. That was, I'm like, oh, I was there for five and a half years yeah. once. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like everything is like, yep, yep, yep. I yep. know. Check We've all been up. there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, you know, it's not about shame or blame. Like you could end up with a toxic person, a narcissist, which I think we all can relate to. And they're really good. They're really manipulative. The most successful people in the world, men and women, end up attracting narcissists. And often what it can be, not always, is codependency underneath it. Because like you were saying, oh, I love that he was texting me all the time. That's love bombing. You know, if someone's telling you on the first date, I want you, you're my soulmate. I've been waiting my whole life. This is, you are the one. And a codependent is going to eat that stuff up. Why? Because they probably have low self-esteem, low (laughs) self-love. Yeah. I mean, but, and again, not to shame or blame yourself. I was that person. I'd been that person. And it's taken me into my fifties to not be that person. Mm. So yay that you guys are in your thirties and forties and you got it much sooner, but you know, how did this happen? You know, in my case, I was a preemie baby. My Mm. mom did not hold me for three months. When I was born, they didn't allow preemies to be near their mothers because they were afraid of germs. So 
from the moment I came into the world, I was looking for validation and approval and love. And, and I had no idea what that love. was. And touch yeah. and touch. So I was a, quote, love addict and codependent from day one. And they are different. And they're a lot. They, they kind of uh, they're the same. They overlap in many ways, too. Mm-hmm. My God, I never realized I was also in the the NICU when I was born. I didn't really relate that to anything because I was born with like a, a weird jaundice condition. But my liver was really uh, not functioning properly. And for how long for, I think it was three weeks. My mom said something like that. I don't know if she, I never asked her about the touch thing. I never considered it as important. I was like, I was, well, don't, I think now don't they actually, there's like more science behind it that they know that like the, the babies, yes. even the, they need to be like touched, like little, like little oh, hugs, they massages. They have, yeah. There's special training. You yeah. know, they have someone come to your home and teach you how to hold the baby. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you, I don't know if either of you are mothers, but you know, if you've ever been around a, a a baby and they're and they're looking at you and you're looking at them and you're mirroring each other. This is how you you create self love for yourself, self esteem because you're being you're safe. You feel safe. If you don't feel safe. What's going to happen? And you're kind of in the ethers of of insecurity. So um, it starts from the beginning. It really mm-hmm. does, and it's so great now. People know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have a conversation with my mom when I see her. Um, I'm just just about all of these things because it's it's interesting. I want to switch gears for for a little bit because dating is also part of the world that you two thrive in and 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 provide great advice for folks out there. So let's talk about what are some of the top mistakes people often make when dating while really wanting an actual relationship. Can that's I quote you, Sherry? I was going to say, that's a Carla question. No, I love she that we just like dating experts at each other. Okay, Sherry always says, fall in love with reality and not potential. Ooh, love it. And I'm dragging so, clapping. That yeah. is one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they want this person to be XYZ and not take them at face value. The other thing too, I'm just going to be real, is people external like society culture whatever so family friends all of those things telling you oh you're supposed to be a mom you're supposed to get married you're supposed to do this so i call it the big loop where you just kind of live life in a loop until you consciously unloop the loop and maybe the outcome's still the same maybe you do want children and that's okay but if you're not making a conscious choice to what you want and you're not making decisions based off of your needs and what you would want for yourself in a relationship or the future, then you're going to go into these dates actually very disconnected. And so you not knowing that then is not going to be able to convey and communicate that with a partner. Or if you feel like you should know, you should be doing this. I always say don't should on yourself with dating, but you should be doing X, Y, Z, all of this stuff, right? That can start to get in the way of actually picking the right partner for yourself and you're just doing it based off of what you think you should be doing. So then all of a sudden you end up in a long-term relationship that you're like, why am I in this? This doesn't make sense. It's not what I want. So I would say get very clear on your needs with dating. It's a mistake that a lot of people don't, you know, that, that they go, they do a lot and, and then getting very clear and then also falling in love with reality and not the potential of who somebody is, whoever they are right now, they're not going to change. So you have Mm -hmm. to decide, do you want them right now or not? Would you be okay to live with them for the rest of your entire life if that's what you want a life partner for? And if the answer is no, then you really need to reevaluate who you're dating and why. I mean, absolutely. Don't fall in love with a fantasy of who you want them to be because they're never going to be that person. Mm -hmm. Fall in love with who they are. And if you can't, if you don't like some of those things and you can't accept it, move on. Time to move on because they're not going to change. I mean, 
maybe if you're in the relationship and there's some issues, maybe there's some movement, but when you meet someone and you're dating and you don't like what you see, that's what you're going to get. And so, but when we talk about, again, no shame or blame, when you're a love addict, you're a codependent, you don't want to be alone. You want to have some, you want to be coupled up. Your whole worth is having a relationship. And that's why you end up settling for these fantasies of people rather than picking someone for, you know, you have to be able to be alone with yourself. You have to be able to tolerate being alone. And that was the most important step I ever took was like, I need to like be with myself because mm-hmm. I am just picking the same type over and over again. And that was the best thing I ever did in my life. So don't go from relationship to relationship. Don't yep. be with someone because you feel so empty and you know, you don't feel enough unless you have someone. I mean, people still do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I have a rule. I cannot date anyone or be in a relationship with anyone based on their potential. I'm like, wow, this person has so much yes. potential. Yeah. They are because I am the quintessential fixer. And I love that that she journey. loves a good project. Like, oh, yes. yes. Oh, and so I, I don't. Was there. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Well, it feels like you have a purpose too. Right. When you have that, right. that whole it gives, thing. It fills yeah. up your cup. It right. gives you it gives you temporary self-esteem yeah. right yeah. like Absolutely. Yeah. yeah yeah and we're it not we're, so we're not like neither amy nor myself we're, we're not parents right we don't have children we haven't birthed children yeah. and i know a lot of folks a lot of my my age 41 years old a lot of my friends have children and they find their purpose in their children and i could see that their relationship maybe wasn't what they even wanted it to be before they had the child or children. And then it's just perpetuating. It's just like on the horizon. They're like, Oh, once my kid gets to be 10, once my kid gets to be 16, once my kid gets to be 18, everything's going to change. And they're with their person because of potential. And I just think that, that I have had a rule since my divorce about, I won't be with people based on their potential. Yes. And I also would say don't paint red flags green. And that's Ooh, going back. That. Like that. That's going back into the whole like, oh, I feel like I should be like I should be here by now. Oh, I'm 36. I want to have kids. Oh no, I'm running out of time. I'm like, also, okay. I'm just gonna go on a side tangent real quick too with that whole like the age, yeah. the <laughs> age thing. Do your research. the The whole your eggs drop at 35, a drastic drop, is actually from a study in France in the 1700s. So do your research. Talk to your gynecologists and your doctors about these things because you might be really surprised that you actually have time until you go through menopause. So I just have to preface that because I I work with so many women who are in their 30s who are like, you know, I'm 30. I'm never going to have kids because I'm single. And I'm like, you're good. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as you're healthy and, and you go to the doctor and talk with your doctor about it. But there's so much bullshit out there in regards to like women's fertility. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we've been learning a lot more about that with some of the guests on our show uh, because we are, yeah, the, there's so many advances in uh, with, we says on your show, our show, I don't remember, but like, you know, we are advocates of our hormones now in our thirties to have a better understanding of it. And it's not that we're trying to get pregnant or in men- menopause, but technically we are perimenopause category and, and to just have that awareness, but where they're learning like, no, no, no. You don't just dry up and turn into a raisin at like 35. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, while like men can still yeah, like a cognac continue. colored leather yeah. bag. You're yeah. approved. Men are still born. like the little sperms are coming out and it's all, it's all the women. So time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute 
favorite lube, UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, y'all, I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E, so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. Anyways, I love that. I love that tangent. I love the don't paint a red flag mm-hmm. green. Um, I, I feel like I have both done this and heard lots of friends do this where, and maybe this is not exactly what we are talking about, but you know, oh, they're, you know, they're dating someone and like, well, you know, he doesn't do this and doesn't have this. And I'd really like this, but he has X, Y, and Z. And so, and when I hear that and I'm like, either to me, I'm like, either, and I've, and I've done this before. And when I reflect on myself, I think I'm trying to convince myself as to why it's okay that there's these things that are missing because here's these other things. And so I'm painting. So those red flags green in my own mind. And when I hear other people say that, we're like, oh, I'm missing. I, I want more of this. This isn't happening. Da, da, da. But this, this, and this, I actually, and I've said this to one or two people. I'm like, I, you know, I'm your friend. I love you. I want to stick to one side of this conversation. If you want to tell me how hard this is, I will support you there. If you want to tell me how amazing this is, I want to support you there. But when you bring me both places, it's really confusing I'm confused. for me to follow you there. Yeah. And I'm because I'm also have my own projections as is why you're telling me the good after what's not feeling so good. What do y'all think about that? <laughs> yeah. Well is denial, right? When someone says, well, yeah. and again, going back to being a love addict or a codependent, you're going to settle for those things because you don't want to be alone because it's petrifying to think of yourself alone or not being coupled up 
you're in such constant fear when you're a love addict or codependent. You're worried you'll never find anyone. You're worried you're going to be, you're too old. There aren't good, enough good men out there, women, whatever. I mean, it's, these are the things you just got to kind of roll back, slow it down and um, get a great therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and keep doing this yeah. over and over again. We, therapy, 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 coaches, all the things, support systems, groups. Okay. So I have a fun question for you about uh, dating, the dating world, but kind of with the you know intention of, again, focusing on finding someone that we want to be with. So Sam casually dating or banging, ma'am, casually dating or banging someone while looking for my person. So what are some of your top tips for going on dates with the intention of entering into a deeper partnership? And should I not be having sex with them? Should I be banging my dates until I find, until we hit the special place? That's okay. a Carla, Carla answer. Yeah. But I so, just, let me just add, just say one thing. So values. Do you have this? Uh, yeah, you're, this is like, this has got you written all over it, Carla. But <laughs> values, values. Do you have the same values? Ooh. That's so important. Okay. Go ahead. Carla. Okay. So I think <laughs> it's really dangerous to try to tell people when they should and shouldn't be having sex because Fuck that is yeah. a very much personal choice. And you need to make sure that you feel comfortable and that you trust yourself. And that's part of building trust is that you can make these decisions for yourself. If you're feeling guilty or you, cause I've had clients who are like, Oh, I shouldn't have slept with him so soon. Now I'm regretting it. And I'm like, well, what are we regretting? What, like, what, what idea do you have around sex? Is it, is it because it was shameful when you grew up? Like what's, what's the messaging here? Right? So it's kind of discovering what's underneath that layer. But I will say this. I have some clients who once they have sex with somebody that they're dating, they are all in. They put all their eggs in that basket. They can't separate out what the red flags are. You know, and at that point, my suggestion is if you know that about yourself, then maybe make a choice to kind of hold out a little bit to learn the red flags if that gets confusing for you. And, you know, but that is a personal choice. I don't care if somebody has sex on the first date, never sees the person again, or they wait until the 12th date to have sex. Like It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that you know yourself well enough and that you have some sort of trust and security within, you know, whatever dynamic this is, whether it's a relationship or whether you're dating somebody to have sex with them. So I think that's the first and foremost, like, do you feel safe? Do you trust them? And also where, you know, where are you at in terms of the spectrum of if you jump right in, is it going to make you ignore all the red flags and get you down this dangerous path of relationship? Or are you able just to have sex? And I have some clients who just can have sex. And I'm talking about women here who can just have sex and they can also date and it doesn't really affect them. And from a codependent lens, what are your intentions? Are you sleeping with them because you want them to want you? Are you Mm -hmm. afraid they'll leave you if you don't sleep with them? Those are not good reasons Mm -hmm. to have sex right away. Carl and I probably differ a little bit on this because I'm more on the other side of like, oh, once I have sex, I'm like all in. So I, it's, you know, but I think everybody's different. Like, But I'm hearing you both saying this, this message, like one, it's different for everyone. Right. And you're both saying have awareness within yourself. Yes. If you know this is going to be problematic for you because you have sex with someone, all of a sudden that makes your whole body think love, commitment, you know, all those things. You see all the sunshine and rainbows all of a sudden, then have that awareness and you can choose to maybe not have sex for a while until you really see all of this person. Uh, I think you're both kind of saying the same thing from what I'm hearing. Uh, It's just like in different tones and different. This sounds the same to me, though. 
Yeah. What yeah. Sherry's talking about though is because we've talked a lot about this before in regards to going on dates with multiple people, right? Going on dates with different people until you have the exclusivity talk. Cause we've talked mm-hmm. about sort of like for Sherry, she said that, you know, once you sleep with somebody, it kind of means that you're focused on just them. And I'm like, well, you can technically sleep with somebody and still going on other dates with somebody else. And if you haven't had the exclusivity talk, then you can also sleep with other people in terms of boundaries. So I don't know. I think that's kind of where... Was that, Sherry, kind of what we were getting yeah, at? We, yeah, we just feel differently about that. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like my where I lie in that... And I've been partnered for um, around six and a half years now with a, a slight separation break in between some of those years. And that said, I after I was married, I, I'm a serial monogamist, right? I yep. can't not be in a relationship. I'm not always, I don't try. I feel like it just happens. You had one where, year, one but year, wild year. After I got a divorce, mm-hmm. I promised myself I would not get into an exclusive relationship. And this, I say this because it could be helpful to folks out there. Make a promise to yourself. Like I want to be open. I want to have casual sex and in a safe way. And I want to honor myself and figure out what I actually want within my sexuality and also within partnership. Like, whoa, that dude is fucking annoying. Like I, but I'm still so hot. I, so annoying. But I'm, I'm alone on Friday. I'm going to phone him up and see if he can come over for a bang sesh. Right. So I, I did this for a year and I had so much fun and I did learn. It wasn't lonely at all. If I, if I didn't have anyone on the roster, cause I think there were three different dudes that were oh, all the tears if you listen to our initial states yes, of famous sex like our first my three episodes this is two, this was going three. on yes. yeah they were all much younger as well at the time than me and and, and be, so i want to say you were having a blast but you weren't ha- filling every night with them it was no. we had plenty of nights where it was just april on her own april wanted to hang out with the girlfriends like i if i'd be in my heart was hurting she would like dance for me to beyonce and entertain me she was in this place and so it wasn't just <laughs> I love it, it was like very yeah. vibrant and yeah. it yeah. was so much fun and i said i would give my a year from when I was finally separated from my ex, my ex husband, and it was pretty much a year to the motherfucking day where I met my now partner at a wedding in the Caribbean with Amy. Aww. I was her plus one, and uh, we met, and she had banged him out before me. She was casually I tested him, him out before, and, like, and she was it. like, "You should that hang is, out with him." Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. So that took a lot of communication between the two of you, or just yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for us, we're like, she always yeah. tries to serve me up. Yeah. She's like but during that, she's like, I mm-hmm. love, I love hooking she, my friends up. I know I'm not always the best matchmaker. Like, so I don't, I'm, don't, I'm not always like, she, she wasn't trying to matchmake me. She wanted me to yeah. get fucked by a daddy, which she, was she exactly what he was. Sex with someone that was older than her. And he's at least over 10 years older. I was manifesting older than her. Uh, Yes. He's so, 15 years older than I So am. I was like, yeah, you should go try that. I have fun. So <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking to this only because. This this whole process that both of you have spoken to, I get caught on that D. I do. Like, yeah. I love a dick and I'll get... But that's why I had to set my own boundary within myself and practice it because there were a few times, Amy even witnessed it during that one-year period that I almost got into a committed relationship with one of the, the tier one dudes that I was, I was hooking like, up with what are you and he doing? was calling me his girlfriend yeah. and I was like no no and then I and then I tried to fit him into the box where I could be his girlfriend and I was like but there were so many red flags and I was painting the fuck yep. out of them white and green and Rainbows. black and black and white too <laughs> like the the finish line I was like okay this can work so I think giving yourself a little bit of spaciousness and if you are in that dating realm and granted, if you if you are newly out of a relationship or if you've been dating for a long time, I think having those boundaries with yourself could be really yes. powerful. What oh, do y'all think? Mm-hmm. 
So powerful. And I'll even use myself as an example. In 2022, I ended an engagement after seeing red flags. And, you know, I hadn't seen this before in the relationship. And I was like, okay, well, this is pretty serious. And I've done all this work on myself. I'm not going to get into a toxic relationship. So I ended it. And I will say, I took lots of time off and I'm happy with myself, my own company. So it wasn't about, and now I'm in a relationship, but it wasn't about needing to, like what I had done before, needing to get into that like relationship immediately after the relationship and and needing to have that validation and whatnot. Instead, I was very focused on like what I wanted, what I was looking for, what my boundaries were in regards to dating, being very upfront and very communicative to whoever I was going on a first date with, what my intentions were. So like I, you know, I met my now partner on Hinge, but I would write to anybody who'd asked me out on Hinge. They'd say like, oh, you want to, you know, meet up for whatever. And I'd be like, so before we do that, just curious what you're looking for since everyone's on the apps for different reasons. And then they would be like, oh, well, you know, a relationship, whatever. And if I didn't like their answer, I just said, it looks like we're on different pages and then I'd move on. But I wanted to make sure that they were on the same page of wanting something serious. And then I would respond back. Yeah, I'm looking for a serious relationship at this point and a life partner. So if that's what you're looking for, then let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I just think when you're clear on your boundaries, whether it's sex, whether it's what you're looking for, what you want, and you're communicating that up front, then you're just really being authentic to yourself. And I think mm-hmm. that carries you really far in dating. And then you're magnetizing people that can meet you in that place oh, too. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're also deflecting the fuckers that you don't want to hang out with. Like, 100%. Hey. I'd like scare them away. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I don't want you if you're going to be, you know, avoidant or not want to commit or not know what you want. And that's okay. Some people don't yeah. know what they want. And some people are working through their avoidant attachment. I just didn't want to bring that into my life. What yeah. about game playing though in dating? What do y'all think? Because that is a thing. Ooh. People ask me about this. They're like, well, should I play games? Well, or not even should I play games? They don't even realize it, but they do this whole thing. Well, I texted him yesterday. I haven't heard back from him. What should I do? Should I text him again? Or do I wait? There's should a play hard to get. Yeah. Yes. And I've heard this from men too. Dudes like out there. So I don't know if you have anything to say about the game out there, but well, I'm going to say if you're doing digital dating, it is a game because <laughs> you are, you, there is a very good chance you're going to be ghosted. There's a very good chance that you're going to have a bunch of people on there and then suddenly they're going to like disappear. So be what I'm going to say is this. If you're going to date, maybe this doesn't exactly answer your question. Be really ready to date and ready for what's going to happen, especially digital dating, because it's it's a shit show out there. Mm-hmm. So objection, yeah. I'm against games. Any type of like wait till you text and you do this or whatever. I'm about just being upfront, direct, and transparent. And any of my clients who have done that approach have had great success, whether it's on apps, meeting in real life, like it doesn't matter. I would say just being direct, it brings you into a secure attachment when you're doing it that way and you're not waiting. And that's the beginning of an attachment to a relationship, whether it's the first date or date number, I don't know, 15, right? So I would say no games. Um, but and be direct, to, ask for what yeah. you want or what, yeah. what you're looking for. Are you, what are you looking for? And then you can say he has what I want or he doesn't have what I want. And Next. then live in integrity yeah. with it too. Well, like actually do what you're saying if, you're going to do. If you play games from the start and then you get in that relationship, it is built on a shaky foundation from the start. Like you already c- you contributed to or created or allowed or invited 
some form of, of inauthenticity. Uh, and so like, I mean, I, I've been in that situation. So I, I think that like the more, and it's hard to do, right? Like, oh my God, if I'm just really straightforward and honest, I think you're thinking I'm a stalker because I messaged them but five also, minutes after they messaged me. But, but like, hey, if they're going to look at it and think, wow, she's a stalker, they're not my person. I'm just reaching out to you because I actually want to like respond to you or say hello or good morning or whatever. So yeah, I think like, I love all the messages and what that you both share and they seem super aligned with each other. For, I love that they are like different perspectives yet like super connected. Um, and so I want our listeners to learn more about you in terms of how they can find you, work with you. What are your offerings? How can they find your podcast? Do you, I, I assume you work with clients privately. Like, How can they find all the things, socials, all the things? Yeah. So we actually have something coming up in August, uh, which is very exciting for us, a uh, group coaching program that we are going to be launching. Um, so if you want to get on the wait list, you can go to thelovefix.com and uh, get on the wait list at thelovefix.com. You can also find our podcast. We're out everywhere. So anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, we are there. Uh, and then we will also be running a free masterclass coming up um, early August as well all around attracting healthy relationships and getting out of toxic relationships. You each have a book. Can you talk about those books? My book is called Love Smacked and it's just on Kindle presently. And it's all about codependency, toxic relationships and love addiction and healing from those things. I'm buying it right now. <laughs> oh, and mine, <laughs> And mine is called Contagious Love, Break Free from Codependency for Damn Good. And it's all about breaking free from codependency. It's my own personal story intertwined with client stories and then action steps to get out of codependency. And you can find that um, on my website, carlaromo.com or Amazon uh, if you're international. Putting that in my cart too, right? There you go. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we'll be putting your... We will, in November, we'll be putting yeah. your guys' book in well, our Well, you can do it or pre-order because yeah. we oh. are offering a special freebie to anyone that pre-orders the book before November 14th, it will launch. But anyone that pre-orders Shameless Sex, it is called Shameless Sex as well. We trademarked that shit. Thank Love you, it. Amy yeah. and our lawyer friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that being said, uh, it's a it's a beautiful course that very short, but very concise about ways to basically step up your, Amy calls it worshiping. I, for, for me, I'm like, I don't, no, if I want to pamper worship, your partner, but you can worship your partner, giving, receiving, learn about your spice partner, up that fucking amplify the pleasure for your partner. Love that thing. And, and we might be wearing lingerie in it. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so thank you to both of you. Thank you. Beautiful, Thanks, wise ladies. human mm -hmm. beings that are doing so much for this planet. And I, I'm grateful to have recorded on your show. Check out their, their podcast y'all, because I had so much fun being on it. And I know Amy did too. And I love a good quad. What do we call it? a quad? A no, we called it a foursome. Yes, a foursome. That's easier for me. Right Are we now. a polycule? I'm just kidding. No, okay. a, quad, a quadruplet. A yeah, quadruplet. quadruplet. Uh, but we really value this, this conversation. This was yeah. awesome. And wow. Yeah, a lot of work to do on a daily if you're in relationships with yourself or other people. Holy shit, that, that sucks. But it's also awesome because it keeps things exciting, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what it's about. Yes. And they're entertaining our brains. So uh, if you all want to check out, remember the Love Fix podcast, they are everywhere podcasts are. And uh, for you, the Shameless Sex Revolutionary, we love you so very much. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. Go ahead. Give us five stars on iTunes, Spotify. It just helps more people find folks like the Love Fix podcast and other experts that we have on the show every week for you. This is a free resource. 
Anything that we have on the show that we advertise, we believe in. So help keep this show free by buying stuff from our sponsors that Amy and I hand select. We say no all the time, but we say yes to you because we love you. All right, y'all. We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.